Jen, owner of Hello June Creative. And I'm Giselle, owner of Wander Design Co. Welcome to Better, the brand designer podcast. We love being transparent, honest, and down to earth on this podcast. We consider you guys such an important part of our episodes. We're all about broadcasting conversations that support our design community, uncovering industry secrets, and offering actionable advice. Just remember, the only designer you need to be better than is the one you were yesterday. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Better, the Brand Designer podcast. This is Giselle here doing the intro this time. Jen couldn't make it today, and we're really going to miss her on this episode because we have a special guest, Shay Lawson from The Scale Agency to talk to us all about things legal. We have um, a lot of questions from our brand designer community about everything legal and I think like some accounting things too that we might talk about a bit about to you know, uh, clarify what is under legal and what's under accounting um, and that kind of thing. And anyway, before we get started and jump in on this awesome conversation, we're going to have, we like to start off every episode with our intro question. And Shay, so thinking back to a year ago today, what is one thing you gained last year that you want to step more into this year? And it can be anything personal, professional, whatever you'd like. I think that at the top of 2020, we all had these really high hopes <laughs> about <laughs> what the year would bring. And then COVID completely made all of us rethink and readjust and, and really be quicker on our feet. And so something that was really heavy on my mind at the top of last year was that I was um, engaged, preparing to be married. I want, we want to start a family and um, figuring out how could I continue to do what I love with legal work, but work less and make more money. (laughs) And that's what everybody wants to do, right? Somehow work less and make more money. But it was really important to me that I figured that portion of my life out because I knew just as excited as I was to um, be a wife and be a mother that I, I love what I do business-wise. And those are all, you know, very much elements of who I am and figuring that out. And then I just so happened to meet Kelsey um, Kelsey Curse Lake <laughs> of uh, Pine Gate Road, who is now a client of mine and um, preparing to do work for her and Pine Gate Road and the line business, really hearing about how she really navigated that made me think, okay, this is, this is, I'm going to figure this out. If there's somebody out there who has figured out how to take back their life and balance like family and business, I can do this too as an attorney. And then COVID hit and there were like a whole new set of needs. And so if there was something that I gained last year, it was clarity on how I was going to run my business. And so that is actually how the scale agency was born of that. I really focused in on what I loved, which was helping creative and online business owners, you know, really legally protect the legacy of what they were building and utilize my legal skills with like contract drafting and negotiation, but really helping people in sprints Um, instead of just on an everyday basis, like in these 90 day sprints that I do with the scale agency. And it has been amazing. I've tripled my income in a very short period of time. And so I am definitely going to step more into that in this coming year and just like really finding more people to work with and help them have impact and and legacy and protect what, what everybody's building with their creative businesses. Oh my gosh. I love that so much. It's so inspiring. And for listeners that don't know, I am in Kelsey mastermind. So I've also been learning how to scale and you're, you know, you're right, Shay, like there are things that, you know, in life that have to push you into really uh, thinking about like taking these dreams seriously, these things that, you know, I would also think the same way as you about, you know, oh, I would like to, you know, have more time to do these things and grow a family. Um, but I, as a freelancer, I felt like I was always tied to my work and I couldn't get away from it. And Kelsey was there to help me out with figuring out, you know, how I can step back into 
more of a creative director role and have my team do the work that I had envisioned for our clients and our clients still, you know, um, treat us as a team instead of it always just laying on me. And it's just really taken back my time and allowed me to, you know, spend a lot more free time doing what I want to do. And with COVID hitting, I think that's one of those things that also made me like gain like perspective and prioritize what's really important in my life. Um, Mm -hmm. One, you know, a year ago, I felt like things were going pretty well. Like I was kind of burnt out by work. Um, I was just in the cusp of starting my team. So um, there was a lot of growing pains at that point and things were starting to build up. And then as I thought things were getting better, COVID hit and um, I had to scale down and then slowly like things started to pick up again. And, you know, things, unfortunately, my family started to go um, a little on the scary side, um, a little on the sad side. And I started to prioritize more time with my family and my business and, you know, putting that team back together, building that momentum that Kelsey was there to coach me through was really what helped me, um, you know, be with my family and just deal with all of these life things where Kelsey, she, when I was feeling that guilt, she reminded me, Hey, this is why you built your business. It's so that it can support what the life that you want and the things that you prioritize. And that's family for me. So yeah, I totally get you on that front. Yeah, it's totally true. And I think that we spend, I don't want to take for granted the fact that it's very hard work building your business. But once Mm -hmm. the business is built, I think there's definitely a mindset shift that has to occur that Mm -hmm. allows it to truly move into being a business and not a second job, you know, like Mm -hmm. a full-time job. And so that's why with the scale agency, I always talk about moving from solo to CEO, where you're shifting your mindset from like, I have to do everything. Everybody must talk to me. I must handle everything to that CEO mindset of, okay, I have put in the proper protections and the proper policies that I can hand this off and go live my life and prioritize my family and take a breather and trust that this thing that I built, this thing that I poured my heart, you know, soul and tears into will not crumble um, the moment I step away. Exactly. And which is why I'm super excited to have you on the podcast today to talk to everybody about things like this. And let's get started with you. Um, Shay, why don't you introduce yourself to our listeners? Oh, I totally forgot that we just didn't even do that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. It was so good. So quick. It got so good. so quick. Um, (laughs) Hi everybody. I am Shay M. Lawson. I'm the intellectual property attorney. And uh, this makes 10 years that I have been practicing July of 2020 made 10 years. Um, And wow, I guess in non-scary legal terms, I help entrepreneurs uh, protect their passions and profits. And I do that in three ways through trademark, copyright, and contracts. That's awesome. And Shay is like, as soon as I started talking to Shay about um, legal things, I felt like I was talking to a friend, which is something that I don't find very often. And she's just awesome. So thank you, Shay, for being here. Oh, thank you. (laughs) So um, today we're talking about all things legal. Let's get started. Um, So lay it down for us brand designers. What is one thing you get asked a lot about regarding all things legal? It's kind of like a broad question to start. Yeah, I think for my brand design and, and in true lawyer fashion, let me ask you a clarifying question. When we're talking brand design, does that include like graphic designers, web designers, all, that whole umbrella? Yeah, yeah. Let's talk um, that okay. whole umbrella. Okay. So yeah, I think the number one question that I am consistently asked centers around client service agreements. The Mm -hmm. agreements that you are having people that you are taking on as clients sign and the horror stories that I hear about a client who didn't pay. I had someone who told me that they had a five figure (laughs) web design client paid them in full 
never provide them the content or copy for the website. And then literally came back two years later and was like, I'm ready to get started. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Two years. Oh my gosh. You know, and so I, and those are the types of horror stories, or I'll give you another one. I, and I literally (laughs) just redid um, a client services agreement for someone who experienced this. And it was super unfortunate, but it was about a lot of design questions that I am um, asked are around ownership and transferring ownership and whether I own this or does the client own it and Mm -hmm. you know when does that transfer of ownership happen so anyway last horror story where I was redoing services agreements for um, a, a brand design client they did both like a brand identity package and a web design package so we're talking a lot of money here for a client they turn over all the deliverables. And then three days later, the person filed a charge back with their bank. Oh my gosh. I have heard this before in the Facebook groups. Like that is scary. So, and that's what you're here for. (laughs) (laughs) So what, what would you say um, in terms of that situation happening? How do you prevent it? And then how would you address it if you didn't prevent it in the first place and it ended up happening? Is that something you would like to talk about? Yeah, I mean, these are all very general. So of course I'll give my lawyer legal disclaimer that I am a lawyer, but I am not your lawyer. And so if you are listening (laughs) to this, this podcast and the information I'm giving is just that. It is information and educational only. I definitely implore you to do your research, to reach out, schedule, book time with attorneys like me that are knowledgeable about intellectual property and creative entrepreneurship to get the specific help that your individual business needs. But in that particular situation with that client, they came to me after the fact, unfortunately. And I think that that is the number one thing that I see happen to people in creative industries is that they have such good hearts that they often get taken advantage of because they don't think that someone would ever do something until it actually happens. And then it's really devastating and demoralizing, right? (laughs) Yeah. And and so it, there wasn't much that I could do on the back end because she did not have the proper um, agreements in place to help her defend the chargeback against the bank. And all mm-hmm. we could do was really set her up to avoid this in the future. And there were several preventative measures. And so a lot of conversations that I'm having with creative clients are really getting into the nuts and bolts of their customer journey and how they deliver things and when they deliver things and their creative process of approval. And understanding those nuts and bolts, like really getting into kind of like the ugly ingredients of building the cake, help me write better contracts and understand, okay, you do not turn over the passwords or whatever it is until final payment is made so that you ultimately have control of the website. So should final payment not be made, you can always shut down the website or keep access to it until the payment is made. Or, you know, something like that, where it's like when you are reviewing things, review them and I personally even do this with my practice, that when I am reviewing final documents, if someone, and it's a very, very rare case that I don't have people pay me in full, but if I am reviewing something for you and there's a payment still due, we will review it via Zoom or via a Google Hangout and you don't have actual access to the document. Mm -hmm. You can see that it's complete. You can see, you can tell me the changes. We'll do the changes live as we're on this call or whatever it is. But until that final payment is received, you don't have that deliverable. And so it kind of avoids all that of like, oh my gosh, I've done this work and this person never paid me. Um, And so just kind of working through the process and making sure you set up those proper protections in your client services agreement that guard against all of the headaches and heartaches that you experience in creative business. Yes, I love that so much. And that's something that I had to learn the hard way too. Um, you know, handing out files to clients and then just chasing the payment forever and saw a huge difference um, in, 
I guess, conversion, if that's the word <laughs> in telling the client, Hey, here's, you know, the link or whatever to review, but they don't have the file. And then saying, once you submit the payment, then I will send over the files and um, I'll send something like low quality, something enough that um, is like good enough for them to review, but not for them to use. And, but I love that idea of doing it live too. Like if it's uh, a graphic or something like that, that they want to use and they don't need the files for it, then that's such a great idea. Yeah, definitely. Technology is your friend, especially, and we're talking about things that have changed via COVID. And I think all of us have zoomed our little lives away, but it's also, you know, become a part of everyday life where before that wasn't really a consistent thing that people were used to doing or even comfortable doing. Mm -hmm. um, and so now that people have been forced into this comfort zone with being on online conferences and video conferences and things like that, I definitely say utilize that, utilize Loom. Um, I work with a graphic designer and a web designer and she utilizes, Loom. we Loom each other back and forth about any changes or anything that we need. And that's the way she tracks her approval process because you know, when someone's watched your loom, you can yes. comment directly, um, you know, on the timestamp. So I definitely say utilize the tools that you have available to you in an effort to create the paper trail you will need in order to defend any type of um, refund or chargeback or payment dispute. Yes, I was just thinking about that paper trail term because this is now a digital trail. <laughs> <laughs> I love Loom too. Um, I think it's a really great way to, you know, communicate with the client. And now that I am seeing a lot more people using it, which is really exciting. One thing that just came up in my head is um, a question that designers have um, very often, and you kind of mentioned it earlier on, is who owns the... Um, like the copyright of a logo when a designer creates a logo and for a client, and then the client goes off and uses that logo. This is, I know this is something that um, can be kind of murky, but, um, and I've done my own like research with the, um, what is it? Um, anyway, I've done my own research and uh, I just want to have you on air to talk to our listeners a little bit about that. Okay, so you're correct that it's absolutely murky. And these are kind of when you're when you're doing creative work for people, you want to think about what is the purpose of this use? What is the long term purpose of this use, both for yourself and for the other person? Mm -hmm. And so um, just legally speaking, uh, according to copyright law, the actual creator of the work is the author, is the owner of it. And so you as a designer, it does not matter if the client brought you the idea. You cannot copyright an idea. You can only copyright that creative idea once it's in a tangible and fixed form, such as a logo or a design. You can only protect the expression of that idea, right? Once it's been made permanent. Mm -hmm. And so even though the client comes to you and says, this, well, this was my idea and this was my company, I was the creative and I made it. And so even if I am a photographer and you are the person in the picture, I took the picture, I made this photograph, I made this painting, I made this website, I made this social media graphic, you are the owner of it, but then of the copyright of it. But then the second layer is going back to that concept of when you're talking about ownership rights and what should you do as it relates to ownership rights, that's when you want to have the conversation with yourself about what could my potential long-term use for this be and what is the purpose or long-term use for the client. There's going to be a distinct difference between website templates, social media templates, things of those sorts. If you are creating those in like a brand identity package where you might tweak and adjust uh, packages that might be a little bit similar for various clients over time. In those situations, I would say grant your clients with payment, you know, an unlimited license to be able to reuse this for their business purposes, because that's what you make templates for, right? Mm -hmm. But that it's very clear that I, re I retain ownership of it. 
I can make what's called a derivative work. And so when you make those tweaks and small differences and, you know, different versions of something that's called a derivative work under copyright law, and that you as the copyright owner have the loan right to make a derivative version of this, including for other commercial uses for other clients. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, if you are making a company logo for someone or a brand logo for someone, we know that that distinct purpose, that person wants to have that be their brand identity and their logo, and you have no further use for that. And I would hope that as a designer with integrity, that you would not make similar logos for other people, that people want their brands to look different and unique. And that even if you have a very specific style of, oh, oh, I, I'm, I'm clean and modern or, oh, you know, I'm kind of whimsical and fun. That's completely different than reusing the same design over and over again for logos. And I would err on the side for my clients of making those work for hires. That if you are creating something specific for someone's business that should be unique to their business, then make that a work for hire and that upon final payment, that complete copyright ownership of that logo, of that work transfers over to the client. And then from those two concepts, that's also going to dictate your pricing and mm -hmm. change your pricing metrics. And so I talk about that a lot in the scale agency where I talk about the magic equation and having entrepreneurs rethink how much they're charging. And so now when you've broken it into these two funnels of like, oh, well, I can continue to reuse this and tweak that, that's gonna be a completely different price point than something where you're saying, hey, I'm turning over my rights and this is unique and I'll never make another thing like this. The price point is gonna rise on something like that. And that's how you justify it and explain it to the client when they are exploring the differences between your price options. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's something that you're you're never going to be able to i guess put your name on like because it is no no longer yours since you did send off that licensing copywriting um to the client so that is huge value on itself um yeah absolutely but i'd say even to that to the idea of like putting your name on it i like to always have my clients have and i even have this in my own legal contract of People work with you based on trust, based on past clients. They want to see portfolios and past work, right? And so mm -hmm. I have in my contracts and I put it in my, my clients' contracts of that I can mention this. I can list this. I can say that I worked with you. I can, you know, mm -hmm. if this is public knowledge, of course, you, if somebody is launching something in the future, you don't want to spoil their launch, right? So you'll keep confidential things that aren't public. But but once this thing has launched or once this thing is out there, you as a designer, you want to be able to showcase your work and say, hey, I'm so happy for my client who just launched their site or relaunched their brand. So glad that our firm could bring their ideas to life. And having that language in the contract that always allows you to showcase um, things via or portfolio. Yeah. And, and on top of that, too, what about... Uh people that like to show work in progresses um, when they've already sent something for review and then they want to share it on social media and it's not a complete brand design or whatever kind of design they're working on. Is that something that the designer should have in their contracts? I, and yes, because that's going to be a personal decision. I know a lot of creatives who don't like that, where mm -hmm. the, an incomplete work you are now impacting my brand because when you are showing a work in progress, that's not showing a complete work and that's not showing us in the light that we, you know, we want to be seen unless we approve it. And so mm -hmm. there are, um, you know, I, we worked with, for our wedding, we worked with a videographer who did send, literally actually sent us a work in progress video to um. share via social media. I was like, Hey, I'm still working on the final product, but if you want to let people know that something's on the way, here are some things that you can share. And so I think that as a designer, you, you are ultimately running a business and you want to be cognizant of not just your clients' brands, but your 
your own brand and how that's presented to the public. And so you want to maintain control of that and let clients know that drafts are not for public distribution. You don't own these images because you haven't made the final payment that you can only display or share things as shared and, you know, allowed by the designer for in progress items is, is what I would advise if you're even okay with showing things that are in progress. Yeah. And then I also know on the other end, there are, um, some clients like will come to me and have me sign a non-disclosure agreement. So, that includes me not being able to even talk about the project that I'm working on with anybody else. And that of course includes social media. Um, do you wanna elaborate a little bit more about that one? Yeah, and, and that's what I was saying before of, you know, you wanna be able to put things in your portfolio, but you could work on something that maybe won't launch for several months because of other background working elements of whatever the product or service is. Yeah. And so you absolutely want to respect your clients' um, privacy, their confidentiality of their business plans, um, and be very clear that at, you are being privy to something that is in the works and that you will, as a professional, hold their information in confidence. When you do have mentions of the client name, like I worked with this client, but you're not showing the work for, you know, legal reasons. Um, but you do want to show like maybe the logo of the client that you worked with. Do you need to do anything beforehand before putting that logo on your website? I would ask for permission. I know that there are some brands. I have a, a client who does brand design for mega retail, like global retailers. Uh -huh. um, and in their master service agreements, they are very specific about wanting uh, primary approval before even utilizing a logo in a portfolio. And so um, I would always err on the side of getting client permission of, is this okay if we include your logo? Again, you just want to have that paper trail, that digital trail of, I did seek permission. I did not, you know, do, do this without authorization. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. I've had that question asked a few times by some designers. Okay. Well, let's move into trademarks because you said, you know, ideas cannot be copyrighted. The expression of the idea can be copyrighted. So the tangible form, what's a logo and things like that. What's the difference between that and a trademark? And if you want to start off with what is a trademark, um, that would be great. So a uh Copyright protects the creative work, as you just explained again. And then the trademark protects a brand. A trademark identifies your good or service different from other people who offer the same good or service. And so the way that we know what bag of coffee we are getting is because if it's orange and or red and orange with the sun, I know it's Folgers. If it comes in a blue can, I know it's Maxwell. If it has a green ocean lady on it, it's mm -hmm. Starbucks, right? Mm -hmm. And so they all give you the same product, which is coffee, but their trademarks are how consumers identify the different kinds of coffee available in the market. And so it will be the same thing with your um, web design company or your brand identity company, your brand design company, is that there are a million <laughs> you know, people who are out here in the creative industry, but how do you identify yourself? If consumers were to hear a word or see a logo, would they identify that with your brand design services? And that will tell you what your trademark is. Um, and I think a lot of people get confused uh, between the two concepts, but that's, that's really what it is, is that how do consumers identify you in the market from other people? Yeah. That's so well said. Um, this is something that comes up a lot too. And Jen and I are always trying to like give our own opinion about it, even though we are definitely not lawyers. Um, <laughs> and we always bring in that, you know, our disclaimer, but uh, that's one thing that you had explained um, during our call in our, in Kelsey's mastermind. And 
since then I've been a lot more, I've understood a lot more about trademarking and what needs to be trademarked. Um, and as a brand designer, should, do you recommend that we all like, if we're taking our, you know, studio seriously, we're scaling it, um, that we should just go in and trademark our logo, like our branding basically with our name and everything like that. Is that something that you recommend or is that something that, you know, um, I'm sure there's no like yes or no answer, but what do you, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think absolutely. If you are building a real business um, and this isn't just a hobby, this isn't fly by night, absolutely go ahead and trademark this. And the thing that you want to ask in your mind is, and this is uh, when clients say, is this a priority? Is this something that I should wait on? Is this something that I really need to, you know, register or protect? I ask the question, would you be upset if you saw someone else using it? Or would that you not so care? <laughs> yeah. Yes. If, if you won't, and there are like, I have, um, I have a client who produces beautiful freebies, um, these just downloadable freebies. And I was really employing her to file the copyright for these freebies. And they were for um, other brand designers to help them uh, do better client intake to build like mood boards and wireframes and, and things like that. And I mean, they're these beautiful freebies. And I said to her, you really need to register this. Like, would you be upset if somebody started selling these as like free eBooks? And she said, no, actually I wouldn't care. And so, you know, that, and that it was surprising yeah. to me, but I had to take her at a word of like, oh, I wouldn't care. But I know a lot of people who would feel differently if someone all of a sudden popped up and made a website that had your name, that had your logo that you've been using for your design agency and said they were a design agency, would that upset you? If yeah. they created something like, let's just say, I have um, sunshine design and I use a sun ray as my logo. And then somebody, you know, starts a sunny times design and use a sun <laughs> as their logo. <laughs> Would I be upset and want to somehow try to shut them down because they're obviously trying to make people think they're affiliated with me or just mm -hmm. think that they're me. You know how you glance and you grab something before you know it and you're like, oh my God, this is not what I wanted, but I thought that this was it. Right. Legally, that's called consumer confusion and that's illegal. Mm. Wow. That, yeah. <laughs> and so that is what trademarks protect against, but you do not have the tools to legally enforce to go ask for this website to be pulled down from the hosting site or ask Instagram to take down this person's post or whatever it is. You don't have the tools to legally enforce against copycats until you have filed your copyright registration and your trademark registration. And so I would definitely say at the moment that you've built a business that pays your bills, this is more than just a hobby. I would absolutely invest in, you know, getting these things registered. And the only other caveat that I would add to that is that there are some things that you can definitely DIY and there are some things that you need a professional to do, you know? Um, mm. And so I always tell people like, yeah, you can do your own manicure and pedicure, but you're not going to do your own root canal or like heart <laughs> surgery. Right. Yes. And so I would say in the world of legally protecting yourself, you can file your own copyright. I think as a creative entrepreneur, understanding how to file your copyright is um, a must. Now, if you haven't registered your copyright and you need to do a bulk of things and kind of backtrack and protect a bulk of things, just for the time, the value of your time, I would pay a service to do bulk registrations if you're kind of catching up. But if you're not, it's something that's very simple, very inexpensive, and you you can watch a YouTube. The Copyright Office actually has a phenomenal YouTube channel where you can walk through the process. On the flip side of that, 
a trademark is something that I would never tell anyone to attempt to do on their own. Um, mm -hmm. And I know a lot of people don't want to invest the money um, that filing a trademark entails, which filing a trademark with a, an actual attorney, not like a legal Zoom or a rocket lawyer, can cost you anywhere from $1,500 to like $30,000, $40,000. So I get that that's a major investment, but think about the investment of time that you've put into your business and to see someone steal that and copy that and you have nothing you can do about it, that $5,000 or $3,000 that you spent on a trademark is going to pay dividends, you know, down the road and protecting yourself. And I think that we're willing to spend money on the sexy, like, Ooh, I paid $10,000 for this website or, you know, whatever it is, but you're not, people seem to not be willing to make the same investments in protecting the business that they've built. Yes, uh, absolutely. And in addition to that, you, uh, explained to me a little bit about trademarking and who gets to it first. Would you want to elaborate a little bit on that for our listeners? Uh, yeah. So trademark registrations are, are first in time to file as far as having federal protection. If you are not the first in time to file, but you were the actual first in time to use the trademark, then you have what are called common law rights. And of course, people who have federal registrations have stronger rights um, of enforcement over someone who just has a common law right. And, um, and so you definitely don't want to drag your feet on something like that. You can experience cease and desist, you know, for encroaching on someone's, uh, you know, federal rights. And it can be expensive to really build your business around a brand only to discover that someone else is using the exact same name and they've filed the trademark for it. Um, so it's definitely a time sensitive thing. Um, and it's, it's a level of enforcement as well that accompanies it. Yeah. Because for example, if I started, um, a cute boutique floral shop and it's just popping on Instagram and everyone loves it, they love the whole branding of it and the idea of it. And then someone copycats me and then it looks very similar. The services are almost exactly the same. Um, everything, it just looks like a copycat but they trademark it and I've been in business for five years and this person just popped out of nowhere like three months ago because they trademarked it and I didn't, then they have the right to that whole, um, the whole brand. Is that correct? Kind of. Yeah. It's kind of, <laughs> I'm <saying> kind <laughs> of. And yeah, that's a, a very lawyerly thing to say, but a lot of things are gray area that even, even though you've been using it previously, this person has priority enforcement rights over you. So think about, um, the, I'm not sure if, if listeners are familiar with this or it's just me being a nerdy lawyer but <laughs> you know in the midst of everything that was going on this summer with like kind of social injustice social unrest like there were a lot of celebrities and stuff that were like changing their names or changing brands because they felt like oh it was insensitive so like one of the bands that changed their name were the Dixie Chicks and Lady Antebellum and so Lady Antebellum changed their band name to Lady A. However, there was an African-American woman, or there is, because she's still alive, there's an African-American <laughs> woman who is a jazz singer, has a substantial career. She's been for performing for over 20 years as Lady A. The issue here is that Lady Antebellum holds the federal trademark for mm. the phrase Lady A, for entertainment services in the field of music. And so they have primary rights over her. And so she could try to enforce her common law rights against them. But the number one thing that a, a, a lawyer, and uh, if you followed the news, you would see there was all this conversation about all these different lawsuits and nothing's really come of it. And the number one question that a judge is going to ask is, you know, well, did you 
did you not waive your rights to enforcement by failing over the course of 20 years to file your trademark, that this person was more intentional about building their brand and investing in their brand? And so should they not have primary rights because they made this investment? Mm, yeah. Wow. That's, it is so, it can be so murky, but at the same time, I, I think as a brand designer, I'm just like blown. <laughs> My <laughs> mind is blown, but um, that's why we have people like you, Shay, and your scale agency to, to help us with all of these things. One thing that we get asked a lot as well is legal agreements and what legal agreements we should have as brand or web designers before we start working with a client. You absolutely want to have a, a signed agreement. And I know that there are a lot of designers out there who are like taking deposits and um, only sending invoices that outline mm -hmm. the work. And that just is not sufficient enough. You absolutely need a detailed client services agreement that is specific to how you do business that governs. I always tell people that it needs to, um, Every contract needs to have five things. I, I have an entire shameless plug. I have a podcast called Minute of Your Time. And one of the episodes is about the five things that need to be in every contract. And um, though, and I'll, I'll just spill the beans, um, <laughs> is that it needs to, every agreement needs to tell you what you're getting, what you're not getting, or what is going to cost you more what I need from you in order to do my job and get this to you, how I'm getting paid and what I'm getting paid. And last but not least, how can we end this relationship if it's not working out? And so those are the five things that you absolutely, no matter how fancy or how basic your contract is, you need to cover those points. And those are, you know, just my legal opinion and a lawyer may, another lawyer may say something different, but especially in the creative agency, uh, creative industry, I think there is such a gap in understanding between what it is that designers do and what consumers are expecting. Um, and, and so I think that erring on the side of being painfully clear of like, Hey, I'm not buying your domain. I'm not setting up your hosting, <laughs> but these yeah. are things I need in order to do my job. And I get Absolutely. that you, you may not know how to do this, but, and we can do it, but it will cost you extra. Right. And so that falls into those three categories of what I do what I don't do, what's going to cost, you know, what's going to cost you more. And then when you're working to execute someone's ideas, um, but you have a flow of clients that you simultaneously need to serve, you want to be exceedingly clear in what I need from you and when I need it from you in order for me to do my job, because now you are bottlenecking my service to be able to complete your project and get you out the door and get more clients in the door. You don't know how to judge your time because you don't know when you can expect things from people. And that's like such a huge frustration. And then I think that there's always these forums where I see people talk about like nightmare clients and how they want to quit a client, but they don't know how they can quit the client. And it's like, you can avoid all of that if you just had a policy. <laughs> if you just had a policy in your agreement that outlined how I can quit you if you're a nightmare um, client. Yeah. And so absolutely, you definitely, before you start working with a client, they should not be a client of yours until they sign a client services agreement and pay you. Yes, absolutely. Because that invoice is not going to talk about any of that. And um, I am very impressed with how much you know about the creative process. Just uh, <laughs> letting you know, I think it must have been from a lot of experience that you've had from Nightmare Clients, um, from your clients end. Uh, <laughs> or were you, did you have any, do you have any like creative outlet? Um, uh, no, I'm not creative at all. I, I, <laughs> I am, I am not creative at all. I like to craft. I like to scrapbook, but I'm definitely like a follow the directions kind of girl. I have no creative juices. In me. <laughs> um, but no, a lot of my clients are in these fields. They have these businesses. And so just like I said, like you are going to inevitably have like loopholes and gaps when you're utilizing a generic template that wasn't made for specifically how your business 
is run. And one of the things that I do with all of my clients is that our first conversation is literally an hour and a half almost of me just learning about your business, learning your customer journey, walking through your customer journey of like, okay, they click here, then they do what? So how do you get them the mood board? How do you send your deliverables? Like, I'm learning about my clients' individual businesses so that I can specifically write contracts that directly address how they do business and make sure that the things that they are doing are protected and that they will get paid and get paid on time. Yeah, that is so important. And in addition to that, as a brand designer myself, like there are things, there's a word for it. It's like knowledge something I forget but it's basically like I know so much about my field that I assume that people know about my field too and so I overlook the details that you talk about like oh you know there are these loopholes and things like that where I forget that there are like tiny steps between the steps that I think my clients know about Oh yeah. We're all too, we're all way too close to our businesses and it just like really helps. And it's because we do it all the time. Like it's like, Oh, and that's when I'm talking about that, um, that magic equation. So I don't just count like, okay, earlier in the episode, we talked about the long-term purpose versus being able to reuse it. But then the second part of that magic equation and really getting paid what you are worth is counting all of the steps that you gloss over because you're just used to doing it. It doesn't take you any time anymore because you're a pro at this. And that doesn't matter. Like you need to get paid. And so it's so funny that when I'm talking to people and they're walking me through the process, it's like they have this mind blow where they're like, holy moly, I do a lot. And I'm like, absolutely. I should be charging a lot more. And I'm like, absolutely. (laughs) Exactly. So um, I think we are going to have to start wrapping this up, but there's just a million more things that we can talk about. And I'm sure I think this episode is going to only rise even more questions about anything legal. And so hopefully they get in contact with you. Um, I want to talk a little bit more about the scale agency and your podcast as well, because I did not know that you had a podcast and I'm super excited to hear about it and also hear it later um, when we get off this call. Do you want to talk a little bit about the podcast like how many episodes do you have like is that something that you're continuing yes so my podcast via covid finally launched which was so funny because i had the idea a really long time ago i even started recording episodes and never put them up (laughs) (laughs) and never actually pressed go on it and so in march of this year once everything shut down it's like all right shay well you have the time for this and so i went ahead and did it and so in a bit of of irony i have named the podcast minute of your time because uh that's the number one thing that people ask for when they DM me, when they see me, Hey, can I have a minute of your time? Can I just have a minute of your time? I just have a really quick question. Can I just get a minute of your time? And so, um, the podcast is that minute of time where I am addressing the questions that people ask consistently of like, Hey, what's the difference between a trademark and a copyright? Can I do this on my own? What should be in my contract? All of those things. I have a, one of my top episodes is, um, what to do when clients don't pay, like three steps Mm -hmm. to take when clients don't pay and things that I do when I'm, you know, enforcing payments for my clients. I talk about like the email scripts that I use and everything. And so um, it's a really great podcast, I think for entrepreneurs at every level. Right now I am at episode 27. And I will say that as you journey into the episodes, Um, Earlier on, it's definitely for your beginning entrepreneurs. Um, I'm in the middle of a series right now that's called The CEO Mindset, um, where I am actually talking with my clients and talking to entrepreneurs who are a little bit further along in their journey, people who are at like that 
um, like that consistent five figure, six figure, seven figure mark where they mm -hmm. are shifting from being those solopreneurs to a CEO. And I'm, I'm talking with my clients about the process that we've gone through, how they've scaled their businesses, the legal protections they didn't realize that they need. And so we're, we're really just talking about that CEO shift, that scale shift um, in the newer episodes. And I've done some really fun ones where I talked about Beyonce and, and Disney <laughs> um, and Issa Rae and HBO and um, all types of kind of like fun headlining things. So it's definitely a fun listen to. It's not a super, super nerdy podcast. And hopefully it is helpful to entrepreneurs out there. That's great. I can't wait to listen to it. And I, I'm sure our listeners are going to tune in as well um, because this is also valuable for us. And um, especially for the newer uh, brand designers as they're stepping into, you know, they want to scale. Like I'm thinking about like myself four years ago being like, this is what I want to do and wishing I knew these things a lot sooner. And then let's talk about uh, the scale agency a little bit. Like, is it just you? Do you have a team? Where are you guys based? Who do you work with? Yeah, so um, I am based in Atlanta. I actually have a team that works with me and they're in New York, New Jersey, uh, California. And then I have a, another team member that's here in Atlanta with me as well. And um, however, I lead the agency and it's really looking at entrepreneurship from the strategic standpoint of not just getting things because it's like, oh, I have to get it. You know, it's yeah. really figuring out what am I doing with my business? How can I build a business that I can trust other people with? Because I don't want to burn myself out. I can't be 10 places at once, but I want to trust that my clients are getting quality work and that the brand I've built with my business is not sacrificed. Mm -hmm. And so that is what the scale agency does that, you know, me and my team will work with entrepreneurs and do that kind of A to Z audit of seeing, okay, where are the loopholes in my business? What are the things that I've skipped over because I do them every day that I didn't even realize are leaving me open, or I've just been working with people I love and we have no kind of agreement, you know, things like that. And like doing the housekeeping it's having that conversation about that magic equation and finding your tangible and intangible value so that you are charging what you're worth so that you, you know, and you are taking on, I think when you get clear on your worth and what you do and where your business is going, you can also make more strategic asks and alignments when you're kind of like bartering services or deciding like, oh, am I going to do this summit? Am I going to, you know, do this webinar? It's, it's more, it's more strategic instead yeah. of kind of all over the place, just looking for exposure. And right. then like the last portions of it are all of those IP protections that we just talked about. So maybe backtracking and doing your bulk copyright registration, setting up your non-disclosures and non-competes and your brand usage policies and filing your trademarks for your business so that you can have the proper policies in place that when I bring on other designers, that they won't take my work as their own, that I can have a VA that I can trust with my passwords and my accounts, because I know that I have this agreement in place, that I, I have these brand guideline policies so that I know that when my team communicates with clients, that it'll be at a certain standard and it'll be a certain way, you know? And so really setting up all of these things so that people can shift from being these solopreneurs that are being everywhere at every hour to truly being CEOs where their businesses are adequately protected and prepared to scale to the next level. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. It's such um, valuable service that you offer. Um, and do you offer kind of like, do you work with exit plans as well? Is that something that you do? For example, if like someone that scaled an agency and is ready to move on to something else, they want to sell the agency with everything in it? Yeah, so there's definitely different parts of that. So I, if you're ready to sell, I do not broker deals. So if you're saying, hey, I am looking to sell my agency and I am looking for a buyer, I'm looking for an opportunity, I am not a brokerage. However, I can prepare your business 
for you to explore those opportunities. And so you cannot adequately explore opportunities of selling your business or merging your business if you don't have the paperwork to be Mm -hmm. able to transfer these assets over to the other person. And it also increases the value. If you look at um, Pier 1, they just recently went bankrupt, but in two separate transactions, their store, kind of the retail aspect, all their inventory, like the underlying business went bankrupt, but they individually sold their IP assets as in their domains and their trademarks and their copyrights and designs um, for several million dollars. And so I think every business owner wants to be in that position of even if you're not buying the underlying business of my client books, that I've built a valuable enough brand that I can just stand alone, sell my trademarks and my domains and somebody else can, you know, continue the underlying work. It's just such an amazing place to be. And it's definitely something that I can assist with. Yeah, that's wonderful. And that's another reason a trademark because it's an investment. It's something that later on in time, you can sell it and and get some money back. Absolutely. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I just want um, two things. How can people find you online, um, you know, on social media and where they can get in touch with you for a consultation? We'll also add these links to um, our description on our episode. Um, Okay, so I am on social media on all platforms at Shea M. Lawson. You can, if you are interested in exploring the scale agency and how we can help your business and help you shift from solo to CEO, you can go to solo-ceo.com and set up a discovery call If you aren't quite there and you're like, hey, you know what, I just want a general consult. I want to just explore whether I just need a trademark or some copyrights. You can go to shaymlawson.com and click work with me and you will have access to my consultation calendars. Wonderful. Thank you so much. And now our last thing for the episode is we always answer an inbox question. This is something that um, anyone in our community uh, submits a question for us to answer on air and I wanted to pick one that you would be able to um, put your own experience into Um, a lot of them are very niche brand design (laughs) so Mm -hmm. um, hopefully um, you can resonate with this one so Michelle Farley asks how do I keep improving and straightening my work whilst working on my own and not in a team in particular not having others close to bounce ideas off and receive critique from Um, And I guess this has to go back to when you were working on your own and hadn't built your team yet. Yeah, improving and strengthening your ideas. Yeah, and I I think that like when you're leading a team, it's, I think that that's hard because your team is looking to you to be a leader, right? And so they aren't always the demographic that you are able to bounce ideas off of or improve who you are. I think it's really finding spaces with people who are in like positions like you and with coronavirus there and just the, I think the upspring of Um, entrepreneurship there's so many masterminds out there and so many groups and I just would not underplay the importance of finding people who are similarly positioned and investing and being in a space with people who can help you improve who can understand where you are as a business owner Um, that you can bounce ideas off of that are a safe space. So I think that would be my suggestion, like finding a cohort, finding a mastermind, finding, you know, an online forum. I'm sure there, there aren't always price tags attached where maybe you can find an online forum for, you know, people in your industry to just talk, like, do not underestimate the value of Facebook groups. Like there are some trashy groups out there, but there are some amazingly useful groups out there where people are very transparent, where people share, where you can bounce ideas. And so I'd say explore your options in that way. Yes, I absolutely love that answer. And especially because um, Jen and I have such a great Facebook group for our brand designers to be transparent. And we constantly see people posting their work and getting feedback from it. And I recommend Michelle for you to 
start sharing more. Um, if you aren't as comfortable sharing in public, like on a Facebook group, then gathering a small community for yourself, like Shay was saying, and people that are in a similar space, you can reach out to them on an Instagram DM and say, hey, like, I would love to have a virtual coffee chat with you. We're in 2020 and it's so much easier for us to connect with people all around the world. So um, just getting yourself out there to build that community is going to really help you improve and strength, strengthen your work. Um, and something that I did for a long time was I kept to myself after I left my agency job because I didn't know that I could do that. It, it sounds ridiculous now, but I just didn't know that at the time, like, oh, I can make friends online and we can talk about design together. <laughs> and um, building that community, I think is one thing that has really helped me build my skills. And um, especially when I wasn't with the team that I can ask them when I was feeling very doubtful about things and I couldn't go to my client and be like, what do you think about this when they're the ones, you know, hiring me to be the professional. Um, so hopefully that helps. And uh, thank you again, Shay, for being on this podcast episode. And I can't wait to hear the feedback from our listeners. I appreciate you having me on. This was so fun. I love talking all things creative. So, <laughs> so this was super, super fun. I hope people in your audience reach out. Would love to connect with you guys. And yeah, I'll talk to you soon, I guess. <laughs> yeah, sounds good. I will definitely be, keep, be keeping in touch with you. And um, to everybody else, we will talk to you next time. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed today's conversation. Subscribe wherever you're listening to make sure you don't miss an episode. And we'd be forever grateful if you left us a review on Apple Podcasts. We bet you've got designer friends who'd enjoy it too, so share it with them. If you'd like to submit an inbox question for us to answer on air or want to get in contact with us directly, email us at inbox at betterbranddesigner.com. Our Facebook community is one of the most positive, supportive, and fun groups we've ever been a part of. We'd love for you to join us. Search for Better the Brand Designer podcast on Facebook. And visit us online at betterbranddesigner.com to learn more about our podcast and snag major discounts on our favorite resources.